Expert Insights is an ongoing medical education podcast. The Carl Division of Continuing Education designates that each episode of this enduring material is worth a maximum of 0.25 AMA PRA Category 1 credit. To collect credit, please click on the link and complete the episode's post-test. This podcast forum is brought to you to share expertise and insights within our integrated delivery system to help us improve the health of the people we serve and achieve world-class accessible care. This is Expert Insights. Here's your host, Melanie Cole. Women have unique health issues, and some of the health issues that affect both men and women can affect women very differently. Here to give us a clinical update on women's health is my guest, Dr. Beverly London. She's a gynecologist with the Carl Foundation Hospital. Dr. London, explain a little bit about some of the more important health issues facing women today and why women are a unique challenge for providers. Women have special needs in terms of their health care. And there's been so many things just in the last five years that have changed in terms of women's health. For example, we're doing pap smears not as frequently. So there's a lot of uh, miscommunication, misunderstanding about what the well woman or annual exam entails. Before, women would come and think we are going to do our pap and we're going to have a breast exam, pelvic exam. And when we stopped not doing the um, pap so often, they thought, well, I don't need to come. I don't need to see my gynecologist for another five years, which is not true. There are new guidelines in terms of specifically for the pap smear, but women still need to have their other body parts addressed. They still need a good um, breast exam to check for breast cancer. They still need a pelvic exam and they can discuss whether they want to do the pelvic with their provider because there's still a lot of things that we can find in terms of diagnosing any pelvic masses like fibroids, ovarian cysts, um, polyps on the cervix. There's a lot of things involved in terms of why a woman still needs to see her gynecologist every year. So what, some women are under, under the misconception that they don't need to go to the gynecologist every year. They still do. So what are some of the major concerns for older women? And as providers are working with an increasingly older population, Dr. London, how would you like them to get their patients to tell them everything that's going on? Because that would seem to be a challenge as well. Yes. I find that you have to ask patients specific questions because if you don't bring it up, the patient's not going to mention it. So if I have, if I see a patient perimenopausal, menopausal, I will specifically ask her, are you having any vaginal dryness? Women will tend not to bring that up as a problem. They just assume that it's normal. I'll ask her sexual questions. Are you having, um, still having the capability to orgasm or is, have you noticed a decrease in your sex drive? If you don't ask those questions, the patient is not going to um, bring it up. And I, a lot of times I'll know because if I see a patient come with her husband, her husband's coming to ask the question. Um, rather, because she may not want to um, bring it up or address it. So it's all part of the, um, the visit to address all those concerns. And as our bodies change as we get older, those are um, concerns that we may have. We may not um, produce an, as much hormone and have hot flashes, night sweats, decreased sex drive, vaginal dryness, urinary issues because of those things, um, which may make us more prone to urinary tract infections and um, also other kinds of infections just because the vaginal area, urethra, get a lot drier. 
Well, this certainly is a very large topic, and we could talk about so many women's health issues that providers really need to know about. But let's speak a little bit about things like bone disease, because that is, again, something that women will experience or may experience. What do you want providers to recognize in their patients as far as metabolic bone disease, women who are at risk for osteoporosis as they enter their menopausal years? Well, we um, some women, they, usually we start screening at 65, but based on history, some women we need to screen earlier. So if I have a patient that tells me she has a history of thyroid disease um, or she's been on um, medications related to her, um, GI, like um, um, the medications in terms of um, reflux and GERD, those medications can sometimes uh, contribute to bone loss, and those patients may need to be start being screened earlier for osteoporosis. We also want to know the woman's history, um, family history especially, and her personal history. Has she had any um, fractures that she needs to, to tell the, the doctor about? Does she have a strong family history of osteoporosis? One of the um, biggest um, factors because you tend to inherit the same type of bone structure as your mother. mother um, you may need to be screened for osteoporosis earlier than 65. And like I said, medication history is important because there's medications that can um, promote bone loss or um, where we see bone loss earlier, and we may need to screen patients earlier for those uh, for osteoporosis. Speak about some of the current treatments and standard of care, Dr. London, when we're talking about hormone therapy for women, because again, this is a question women ask their providers pretty much every day. And also they'd like to know about alternative therapies when they're going through menopause. What would you like providers to know about answering those questions and what is the current standard of care? Well, the current standard of care ever since we went through the um, the women's health study is that we really need to be careful about prescribing hormone replacement for women. But one of the things that has come out in the last few years, we used to think that menopause was basically a steady state that once you go through menopause, you have your hot flashes, uh, maybe for a year or two, and then you're done. Now we know it's more of a dynamic thing where a woman may have symptoms one year, not have symptoms for three years, and then all of a sudden the symptoms come back. So we always need to be constantly surveilling um, to see um, where she is in terms of her menopause symptoms. There's a lot of great uh, hormone replacement medications that are out now. We're using much lower doses than we were before. And we also have the option of um, using compounding pharmacies for those women that don't fit into the category where um, traditional hormone replacement does not work for them. They've also come out with some great new medications for especially for vaginal dryness. For example, we used to consistently use just um, vaginal estrogen for dryness. We've come out with Vagifem, which is a vaginal tablet that you use twice a week for dryness. We've come out with Intrarosa, which is DHEAS, um, another um, adrenal uh, supplement to use for vaginal dryness as an alternative um, for vaginal dryness. We have other options for women. We have a um, large breast cancer population here. Those women have significant vaginal dryness, cannot use traditional hormone replacement with estrogen. Those patients are a candidate to use vitamin E uh, supplements and hyaluronic acid for their vaginal dryness. So we have options for them um, outside of the traditional just using estrogen. And now on to breast health. 
as more and more women are concerned about BRCA gene mutations and breast cancer and the treatments are advancing. Where do you want providers to be with their patients as far as recommending mammograms? There's been some controversy about that and when they should be getting their mammograms or if they have breast density issues, whether they should get that whole breast ultrasound. So speak for other providers about what you would like them to discuss with their patients in terms of breast health. And it depends on where where you are in terms of um what you want to believe. I follow ACOG guidelines, so they definitely recommending screening at 40. With In terms of breast cancer and family history, if you have a family history, we like to screen that patient 10 years before that family member was diagnosed. So if you have a um, woman in your office and her mother had breast cancer at 30, we're screening that patient at 20, 10 years before. You want to um, identify um, risk factors and a mammogram still a great way to test. Younger patients, I may have them do a breast ultrasound as well. We have the option of doing an MRI of the breast if there's any question, if, um, and especially if they have a family history. Patients that have the BRCA mutation will usually alternate an MRI with a uh, breast mammogram every six months because we want to identify the, um, the high risk for breast cancer and we want to screen those patients on a regular basis. So twice a year we're um, checking their breasts by imaging to um, identify their higher risk. What's good about um, genetic testing is that the cost has gone down tremendously just in the last year. It used to be that Genetic testing was close to $1,500 if a patient decided that they um, were interested in getting testing. Now the labs are as low as $250 if they were self-pay. So the cost, which used to be a big issue, has um, decreased tremendously. So I have patients that will come to me. Um, I have a two family members with breast cancer, I'd like to do genetic testing. My insurance doesn't cover it. They can test as a self-patient for $250 and get the information that they need. Wrap it up for us, Dr. London, with your best information for other providers about the latest updates in women's health and what you want them to know about the unique challenges that women face in the healthcare world today. I think the biggest challenge that women face are just um, addressing being able to communicate their concerns. So it really takes the time to uh, sit down with them and ask them the important questions. So if a woman comes in, I'm having irregular bleeding, tell me specifically what's going on. How is that bleeding affecting your life? Are you bleeding through your clothing? Are you cramping to the point that, um, that you're not able to have intercourse? Are you, um, is it affecting it where you're, um, you're not leaving the house when um, that bleeding occurs? Um, women are so busy that they tend to wait and um, wait until their symptoms get pretty severe and then they um, come to see their provider. But we want to um, ask them those questions, get on top of the problems so that we can address their concerns and send them for the appropriate diagnostic testing. Thank you so much, Dr. London, for joining us today and explaining the updates and what's going on in women's health. Thank you again. You're listening to Expert Insights with the Carl Foundation Hospital. For a listing of Carl providers and to view Carl-sponsored educational activities, please visit carlconnect.com. That's carlconnect.com. We hope the information gained will be applicable to your work and life. 
This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.